Bonjour, comment ça va? Mon nom est Simon Letet à la Apologue podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. First of all, before we get started, I want to let you know about this show that's happening in a mere three weeks. January 27th, it's a live show at a place called The Central. It's at 603 Markham Street in Toronto, Ontario. The doors are at 5.30, so you can come, and I think they serve food there. So you can come for dinner. Show starts at 6. My guests are Justin Small and Stella Panacci. Justin's going to be playing a song. Stella's going to be playing some music with her cohort, Andrew. And we're going to do some talking. DJ Cameron Carpenter on the ones and twos. I think he's just on his iPod, actually. But I like to call it ones and twos because that sounds like I'm pretty hip. Also, I want to say a big thank you to Death Wish Coffee Company for sending me some free coffee. I asked, I said, hey, you want to sponsor the show? And they're like, no, we just, it's too much aggravation dealing with all the splits and this and that. So what I'm trying to get you to do, because they sent me a whole package of coffee and it's, it's delicious. It's considered the strongest coffee in the world. It's organic. It's awesome. It's kosher. Go to deathwishcoffee.com. Order it. Just tell them that I sent you. And then maybe they'll send me more free coffee. This podcast is brought to you by FetchClass.com. FetchClass.com is a teaching and learning system where you can teach and be taught in a video conference one-on-one. It's free to join. There's a scheduling system put in place. It's good. It's safe and it's better because now we're in the winter. It's snowing. It's not safe. And it sucks to drive around to send little Susie or Bobby to piano lessons. You can teach online with a video conference. It's not as creepy as it sounds, believe me. Also brought to you by InsightRecorders.com. Go to InsightRecorders.com if you're in a band, if you want some recording done, if you want some online mixing. That's an important thing right there. Right now, these days, everybody's got a little laptop in their basement. Everybody's got that. But if you want your mixes to sizzle, what are other studio terms? Pop. Um, there's other. There's also cliche terms. But if you just want a better sounding re- recording, send it to me. I'll mix it for you. InsightRecorders.com. Affiliate programs. First one, Musician's Friend. When you go to Appalog.ca, you'll see these banners on the right side. One of them is Musician's Friend. You click on that banner, bookmark that banner, and every time you shop on Musician's Friend, you'll be supporting the show cost you no extra money and all that stuff. Also, there's an Amazon affiliate program. Click through that. Bookmark that banner. Whether you're from the United States, the UK, or from Canada, you can uh, support the show by buying all sorts of cool things on Amazon. Like everything. Everything you want to buy, it comes right to your door. Like pretty soon, we won't need anything. The drones will just drop it off and you'll get it. And you'll just say, oh, that's awesome. I needed dishwashing soap and here it is. While you're on the Applog.ca page, go to the Applog shop. Buy a shirt. Pre-order an acoustic album that I'm working on right now. There's some other stuff. Oh, the whole Foursquare discography for 20 bucks. It's like 50-odd songs. And when I do this new record, that will be added on to it. Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Applog. Patreon is a pledging system. System. It's a system. It's a pledging site where you can pledge as little or as much as you want to support the art that is called the Apolog Podcast. I have two awesome patrons, 
And uh, they are Michael Pitts and Curtis Pippen, and they are helping me out with hosting fees, gas fees, and uh, it's a cool thing. You can cancel any time. You can, like I said, pledge as little or as much as you want. Almost there, folks. Facebook.com slash Pod to like. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. And there you go. That's everything. Sorry about that. It's, I don't know. You know what? It's just part of the thing, right? When you do a podcast, it's it's awesome. It's like, it's fun. It's like a really cool ham radio. But the equipment, it costs money. So we got to do sponsors, okay? There you go. Plus, you can skip through them anyways. They have this little button on the side that says advance 15 seconds and you're done. Okay, I digress. Today on the show, I have Robert Michael Higgins. Robert Michael Higgins used to be in a band called Change of Heart. He's also related to rock and roll royalty. He's Getty Lee's nephew from Rush. He's a really cool guy. His band, Dearly Beloved, are constantly touring. They're all over the place. And I think you should check them out. So everybody, here he is, Robert Michael Higgins on the Apologue Podcast. Dopes for dopes. Well, I'm a bit of a dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be able to function. I wouldn't be able to, to function, not function without it. <laughs> <laughs> how really? How long have you been smoking pot for? Since I was um, 15 years old. Yeah, that was the first time I ever tried pot, and um, I was. Well, did it change? I don't want life? to incriminate anybody by sure. association, but. But it was Ian Blair and that guy in smoking pot. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that just compounded my habit. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? So it's like, because, I mean, everybody has their first time, but it's not like one of those things that says, okay, my life is forever changed like well, that. To be honest with you, I, I hadn't, I didn't really find it on my own. Yeah. Um, it was around me. Okay. And then I got curious yeah. Because it was in my, you know, my, when you're a kid, um, your family unit is, it's like a, a safe place for yeah. a lot of, for some people. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate to, enough to have that situation growing up. Um, and so when those things go down within the safety of your family circle, you know, it doesn't appear as illicit as it might otherwise yeah so you're saying you had a pretty liberal liberal parents and upbringing is what you, you know i was exposed yeah. to some stuff yeah. and uh, i'm glad i was because there wasn't much taboo on anything and and my mom you know once i discovered it was was cool enough to to say well i'd rather you experiment with that here um in the house than out on the street where the police might arrest you so. Yeah, true. And this is a few years ago now. So now it's almost like, okay, Junior, go home. You're high. 
it, not like it was, say, you know, 20 years ago where it was a little more, like you said. I had a great mom. I mean, I was lucky. Yeah. She knew I was going to find that stuff anyways. Right. So she was like, well, I'd rather you have a safe place to do it. So she would. She was cool with me and my friends smoking joints in the basement when we jammed. We had a jam space in our basement when I was like 14, 15 years old and and uh, smoking a joint and playing music. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been doing ever yeah. since. Yeah. We have a common friend, Michael Lerner. Oh, you know Mike? I, I, my parents and his parents have known each other since my parents moved to Canada. That is crazy. Um, Mike's one of the more, most talented people I know. He's awesome. And uh, Busy. Yeah, and I, I mean... Since I've, I mean, I've known him, I think, since, like, grade four. Yeah, didn't you live around the corner from him or something? Yeah, we yeah. were, he, you know, when my folks moved me out of Toronto to the suburbs, um, he was one of the first people I met. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and and he was the, one of the most talented people then. Yeah, still and, is. And uh, He's working every day. And I, I see what, I see his updates on Facebook and stuff, yeah. and he's just constantly busy. And he's Trying to get him on this podcast is like, well... <laughs> You know, it's not that easy. But, I, uh, I love Michael. He's amazing because there is a lot of people out there that play music for a living, but don't get the n- the big notoriety or the big stadiums. It's, I'd say, what, 1% of people become rock stars sure, in yeah. this profession? You I know? have no idea what that number would I be. I don't know. Let's make a percentage up. <laughs> 0.251%. <laughs> so, children, if you're getting into rock and roll, you have a three negative three percent yeah but he's one of those unsung heroes because i met him again in a later life that was a music he was a musical director on a like a, a dinner night or a dinner what are they called musical dinner thing dinner theater dinner theater yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um and it was neat because i was doing sound and he was doing music and when we knew each other as like i said when we were like i've known him since i was five as yeah. well he always wanted to be a musician i always want to be a sound guy is that right? <laughs> yeah. Like since way back yeah, then? Yeah, since way back. We had that same aspiration. Like I played music too. Yeah. But I wanted to make, I wanted to make something out of it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to become, you know, whatever, yeah. do what I kind of do now. Yeah. So it was kind of neat running into him and we were both happy. We weren't in the positions we really wanted to be in. Yeah. But we were both still doing it. And our parents see each other all the time. They see each other like at least three or four times a year. Isn't that wild to, to, to all these, you know, all these years later to still be doing something you love yeah yeah it's it's absolutely wild my i think the the whole story is my mom and mike's mom knew each other in england Uh, okay and i think mike's mom moved over i think it goes back even further goes back to the old country yeah mike that 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 jam space that i referenced Mm -hmm. earlier that I remember jamming with Mike in that basement jam space and and writing his name in the rafters of the of the basement, you know, like wow. we were here and it was <laughs> you know, it was like that kind of golden high school time where you and your friends have all just discovered pot and music and music at the Women. same time and girls, girls I guess. and yeah. and uh and that that was the time when Mike and I were buds. So yeah. Yeah, great memories. Yeah, yeah. Where was that Thornhill? Was that Markham. That was in Markham. Markham, that's right. Yeah, Markham. yeah, that was not a fun place to live. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, the only reason I know this is because you're linked to Canadian rock and roll lo- uh, royalty. You know, would that make you a duke of a duke? Oh God, Canadian <laughs> rock and roll royalty. I don't know. Are you a duke or a, a prince? A duke. Duke sounds cool. Duke, the duke I don't of really rock. like the sound of Prince. I, I kind of, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I, I, I'm cool with Duke. If if that's what's got to happen, so you don't like talking about your uh, your uncle? 
No, I loved. I'm, oh, yeah. I love my uncle. I, yeah. I, th- I think he's a rad dude, and I'm I'm so proud of him. Yeah. You know, it's um, when I was in in high school in Markham, kids used to like no joke. Like one guy came up to me and was like, "Why can't your uncle be in the Who? Rush sucks." <laughs> and like you know, I used to carry a guitar home from school, kind of like on my own and stuff, and yeah. like tough dudes would literally like throw shit at me and, really? and make fun of my uncle's band and and uh you know i didn't give a shit about it then i don't give a shit about it now i'm just proud of him he's family yeah you know? he's my mom's little brother he used yeah. to be my babysitter and and life's been weird sometimes for me as it is for anybody growing up and and he's been an uncle i can count on and mm-hmm. and i love him yeah, you know, we don't need to go too far with it but i mean i knew that sometimes you were like i don't really like talking about my uncle getty you know, and well, because you have your identity, you're your you're your, your own person. It's you know, I just it doesn't consume who you are. No, nor he, should you use it as a no mechanism to get you places. No, I love playing the bass guitar, and yeah. I love fantasy sports. So, does that have something to do with him? Maybe. Yeah. He he was, you know, someone I looked up to as a kid, and yeah. I spent a lot of time with, and he was he was my cool uncle. I had mm-hmm. like this cool gig and. We would do cool stuff, you know? He was a dope guy who did dope shit. Still does. And so, um, does it have something to do with the interests I have? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But regardless of why I got into this stuff, I genuinely love music. Mm-hmm. I genuinely love running my fantasy hockey team. And, and I get up every day with the same enthusiasm for that stuff now that I did when I was 15 years old. Right. There's something ingrained in you, and it's not nurture or nature it's just well it'd be more nature than nurture i suppose is what you're you know yeah you you have to yeah and and so that really has nothing to do with him on that level so i guess that's why i don't like to have you know to talk about it too much when it comes to our own band because it really doesn't have you know an impact right yeah i mean you know we're we have our own thing and and uh he produced an album for you him and i have jammed on music yeah like we he he helped me record a bunch of songs for this project I was starting and it didn't really get off the ground and Mm -hmm. I ended up sort of moving on and trying some other stuff. But yeah, we spent a bunch of months hanging out, working on music together in his home studio and it was, it was a great time. I'll I'll, I'll cherish those, those memories forever. It was such a good time. Having someone who knows so much too, but just the business part of it, but musically is, that's a huge library to go to. Definitely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're, you know, you know, you're not thinking of it in those terms when you're just growing up. It's like you don't think, man, I gotta really tap this resource for as much information as I can. It's never, you know, you just want to hang out and have fun. It's like having an uncle who's an amazing carpenter. He's a great carpenter. I want to learn. I'm enjoying carpentry. I want to learn how to wield a hammer and, and do things. It's got nothing to do with right. He might be the Mike Holmes of carpenters. I feel really fortunate and blessed to have had the opportunity, for example, to just tag along with them to rehearsal and sit in the corner for four mm. hours while yeah. they rehearse. Yeah. I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody said anything to me, but I just got to be a fly on the wall. And, yeah, yeah. And and as um, someone interested in music and the process of making music, yeah. that was mind-blowing for me. I, I mean, bet. I got to be a fly on the wall in recording situations in town and out of town, in country, out of country. Mm. So those you know, experiences for me were, were kind of like so mind-blowing. Yeah, I bet. It was hard to ab- 
absorb it all and appreciate until you're it older now, until yeah. you're older and looking back going fuck i wish i had the brain i <laughs> uh, i have now i wish yeah. i had the brain i have now that, um then well, it sounds like you used everything regardless what was given to you or what was pr- pr- presented to you to your to you as a, a quite an honest way of just saying i want to learn something but i'm not going to take advantage like um if you're in jail would you, who would you call first? Would be your Uncle Getty I'd or probably, your mom? Probably be him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bad example. Bad example. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I couldn't call my mom about that. Oh, Sorry, really? mom. Yeah, okay. Well, I wouldn't want to worry her. <laughs> so, well, we have pictures of, um, of him, like, you know, showing me how to, to play this P bass when I was, like, one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you've been, you've been playing the instrument, an instrument, period. Did you start on bass? I didn't. I started on drums, actually. I yeah, wanted to be yeah. a drummer. I really had no interest in playing bass. Um, it was just that my folks wouldn't get me a drum kit. <laughs> it's too loud. And it was too loud and all that. Yeah. So I had, no joke, um, a drum kit made out of leather pillows, like those awesome um, like early 80s leather pillows everyone had on their couches yeah. with the, the, the square patches on them, the different colored leather patches. and. And so I would take those big pillows or different sizes and make a drum kit, you know, a smaller pillow for a rack tom, a bigger pillow. Did it actually have any tone? Mm, no. It's the perfect drum kit for your parents. But, you know, my parents appreciated it. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I got to pretend I was drumming. And I would play along to my favorite records literally on my leather pillow drum kit. Yeah. And uh, I had one real drum, and it was a snare drum that <laughs> actually belonged to Dixie McCracken from Max Webster. I don't oh, know. Oh, Gary McCracken. Gary McCracken. Dixie McCracken sounds good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was his nickname. And, Stixie. Um, and I remember that it was like a snare drum that was kicking around, and, and I forget who offered it to me, but it was one of those guys, you know, somehow offered me this snare drum. Right. I knew I had an interest in drums, so I took the snare drum. <laughs> That's all I had was this snare drum and these leather pillows. But, man, I, I fucking played the shit out of that <laughs> leather pillow drum kit. <laughs> The um, so when did you actually get a like a? Did you end up getting a real drum kit? No, I, I sadly uh, I couldn't get my hands on a real drum kit. And then my friends all started a band, and the only instrument that was left was the bass. Okay, yeah. And I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll yeah, I'll be the bass player because I just wanted to be in the band. Just want to play, yeah. Just wanted to play, and uh, and then I think it was my mom phoned my uncle and was like, yo, he's he's going to try playing bass. Do you think you could lend him a bass? To, to <laughs> yeah. try? So he lent me a bass. I'll never forget it too. It was this awful white carbon. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, like, it wouldn't stay in tune and like, yeah. it always fell apart and uh, really high action. Yeah. And it was just like yeah. not a good bass to play, but I'm really thankful that that was my first bass because it was difficult to make it sound good sometimes yeah, you gotta try hard, as yeah. a guy who was new to the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, so those challenges, you know, were good. So when I, when I got on a, a decent bass later in life, it was like, oh, hmm. right. This is actually it's the way to go. easier to play. Yeah. Oh, man, true. I, I, I played on a Hofner guitar that I took two strings off, and I learned to play <laughs> bass <laughs> on an acoustic guitar <laughs> tuned down. And uh, I, you know, I've told the story on a few other podcasts, but uh, my, my first bass was a um, Squire lollipop it looked like a lollipop like the french flag 
Really? Yeah. I wish I still owned it because it was Dude, the cheesiest. That's so good. <laughs> Got it at Music Media. I think it was like 180 bucks or something, right? This bass. That's great. I loved it. I that's love great. that bass. And then yeah. I've, I've, I've had a few, but I, I've owned the same bass since 1991 now. It's a BC Rich Eagle. Okay. And it's a neck through. It has EMG pickups on it. It has like sort of the very tone stuff and... I've broken the headstock on it once on tour and fixed it with a ski scraper, like as a support and brace. And so, I, yeah, I've been I've been playing bass a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, Lo- love the bass guitar. And you know, once you find an instrument that's comfortable for you, yeah. as a bass, you uh, just never guitars, you, no. you know, that's it's your different thing. than guitars, right? I don't know. It's hard for me to say that, but. It feels to me like it might be, yeah. Yeah, because guitars are kind of like ha- like a Les Paul has a Les Paul feel. A Telecaster has a Telecaster feel. But your bass is your bass. It's like moving into a house. Like, this is the house I love. I'm going to stay with this house. Or, you know, you, you become one with it for some reason. You understand its nuances and how weird it is to play sometimes in some spots. Right. Tuning issues, all oh, that yeah. stuff is something. Exactly. That guitars, you can kind of tweak out, I think, in a way. Or hide it with tone or distortion yeah i usually play this um this jazz i think it's, it's like late 80s fender jazz and that's kind of been my yeah. main bass forever and recently we've been rehearsing here in toronto and i've been using this uh gibson sg bass oh wow really? and it feels so different never thought i would ever play one of those well it's not i happen to have one so yeah it's fun for for tracking ideas with it's, you can pretend you're jack bruce you can pretend you're jack bruce exactly and but it's not my first choice for when it comes to a live instrument because it's it it's uncomfortable to hold it's it's um and i don't think it sounds as good as as my bass we've we've a beat it and i yeah. prefer the sound of my bass so but my bass isn't here it's it's in the united states of america and it's stuck there until we get back there in january and we go to record and um you just left it in a storage, or it's with our manager. Oh, okay, and, and uh, we just finished a tour where he is in Los Angeles, so it just made sense to leave it there yeah. since we're going back in January and totally. to record. But in the meantime, I'm rehearsing with the band with this weird SG bass, and it like it is not the same trip. <laughs> like it is just not. Yeah, it feels completely different. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my bass feels like an extension of well, yeah. my own self. Jazz and precision basses have a definitely a tone and a feel unlike anything else because they are just seem more like loose or I don't know buttery buttery is a good one is that a good word it's hard to to describe it has its own tone like a lot of people it's a go-to tone for many many people making records it's amazing on people that will have like a you know their crazy metal basses sitting in the, like the rack, and then the one they're recording with is a P bass or a jazz bass. Yeah, I love the sound of a P bass. Yeah, it's just it's a little. I've I've not found one that's com- as comfortable as as the jazz basses for me to yeah. tour with. I, I love right. playing a jazz bass on tour in the studio. I'm happy to rock a P bass, but yeah, the Doesn't way jazz bass have a longer scale on it. It's, it's like just extra a thinner frets. neck. I yeah, mean, yeah. You, it's easier to get your hand around it yeah. and to. You know, we play a lot of busy stuff in what we do in our band, and it's and it's just a little more comfortable on the J bass for me. And your band is dearly beloved. Dearly beloved. Dearly beloved. Yeah. How long is that's been going for a while now, right? Nine years. Nine years. Isn't that crazy? Where'd the time go? I don't know. We made five records. Well, four and a half, I guess. Four yeah. and a half records um, in that time, and we've now hit twelve countries. Our band van, so to speak, um, 
hit the hundred thousand kilometer mark last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we've been having a good time. We've been making records and and seeing the world and yeah. And you know that's really. I mean, we we started this band as an outlet during a time that was shitty. Mm-hmm. And well, ex- explain. I mean, that like, was the concept of the band. I mean, yeah. that's why I was called Dearly Beloved because it would just be an outlet for myself and and for my friends, whoever was around. That right. was the the idea with the name Dearly Beloved. It was just you know people we trusted and people that uh, were in our circle. Um, it'd be a bit of a collective sort of mindset around myself and and Neva and. Um, it was a time when my dad was having a long battle with cancer and, mm-hmm. and, uh, change of heart, all that stuff was over mm-hmm. and I needed an outlet. I had yeah. to make music and <clears throat> I'd been through some experiences with other projects that, you know, when you're working as a side guy in the music industry, which is an awesome gig when you're a musician, it's so great to get paid to yeah. play your bass guitar and go make music with other people. Artistically, not so satisfying. But artistically, after a while, it gets to be a bummer, especially when you're a writer and the projects that you've been fortunate enough to be asked to be a part of just don't have any room for more writers. At some point, you're going to go, well, I better create an outlet for myself since I like to write. And and that outlet just sort of became a thi- more of a thing. I, mm-hmm. I honestly created it just to have fun yeah. with my friends. And really that's how we try to look at it now is, is a, an opportunity for us to get together and have fun. And we feel really fortunate that it's become a thing that's afforded us travel and, mm-hmm. and now business relationships. I mean, we didn't create this band as a, you know, anything more than that is a is a thing for us to have fun with. Sometimes honesty is a an amazing tool to share with people in the business, your listenership. Honesty is something that just prevails anything. Like how many bands do you know that have tried so hard to fit into a you know, a genre right. or a style or a visually you know they've kicked out their drummer because he's not pretty, like oh stuff God, like yeah. that. Well, the, it's uh, it's this whole careerist mindset in the music business that has, you know, that's a drag for some for some other people that do it for different reasons. And yeah, and and it's great that there are still bands out there that are dangerous and do it because they have to. And you know, people, some people like to think that those bands don't exist. That that everyone now it's is all contrived that it's all contrived yeah. but i disagree I, i've you know we see it we've yeah. toured with them we we've met them on the road there yeah. are bands out there that i've recorded are, a few of them that are doing things because they have to the real deal yeah the real deal that fucking yeah. shit still exists and yeah. um definitely honesty is like i said honesty is something that um speaks all languages because if you're on stage and you're kind of half-assing it yeah and if you're making choices i mean Life is a series of choices, and making yeah. music is really no different. So, you know, we all make choices, and we're interested in making ones that lead to us having fun. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think, though, the whole idea of being a band that sort of works together as sort of a unit, everybody needs their own little job. They all need something to do. Like, you know, I'm the merch guy, you're the, you're the sure, this guy, yeah. you're the driver. 
And I like that cooperative experience in a band yeah. where everybody kind of pitches in, does something. Actually, we've had that conversation recently on tour. We just finished 20 dates in the U.S. with Swerve Driver. And towards the end of that tour, we were talking about that, you know, tour managers versus bands that are really kind of together and, and, tight, can, yeah. and tight that really make a tour manager sort of irrelevant in a way. It's almost an absurd expense when you've got a band that all just yeah, and do know the what do, they're doing. And, and everybody takes um, responsibility for the whole yeah. and chips in. And After a few years, though, you start realizing, well, I don't want to be the guy that goes and hustles the, correct. the club owner for money anymore. Well, that, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. We also had that conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain amount. Well, there's a certain aesthetic with a band with a tour manager. And if it's the right tour manager and the right fit, then it's gold. It's because so true. you could have a tour manager wears a hip sack with a ponytail. That's not your tour manager. <laughs> it's not my shit. tour manager. Well, they'll be fun it's to so watch this lunatic out on on the you know out on the road with you. It's embarrassing, but fun at the same time. If you see it as a social experiment and get like the a method actor who looks like like <laughs> <laughs> man, you so nailed it. <laughs> no, I, ha having a tour manager. When you think about it. A guy that's going to hop in the van with you. Yeah. That's going to take point on everything every day. Maybe take a punch. You know, that is, you know, if that person can't jive with your, your group's vibe, that's, yeah. that's, that's a shitty situation. Yeah. That's why it lasts like a, a week or two weeks of a tour and then you're moving on. Yeah. I know some bands have gone through 40-odd tour managers. Yeah. Why? Because they don't jive. Yeah. Or they try to impose their ethics, or not their ethics, they try to impose their agenda on the bands well a band is like any other it's like an organism sure so and it's tough to get just the four or five of you in that right cycle <laughs> right yeah just alone es especially when you get further and deeper into the music business if you will sure you know once you get you know further into that you know the abyss mm -hmm. of touring and and in, in meeting some some folks yeah oh totally totally yeah uh, sorry i gotta keep checking here this is a new program for me i want to make sure i'm recording this <laughs> but yeah the whole yeah so when you bring a tour manager into your fold so but it feels good when you find that person and, and you know it too right yeah. away oh, you know it you absolutely. know it right away you're like all right this guy's got the right vibe yeah and he can handle our shit yeah and and then and only then is it okay to possibly bring something into your you know you but you don't want to take too many chances right like well see it's, we're we're sort of we've always handled our own stuff yeah we've always been the band that's managed ourselves for the most part we mm -hmm. we had a cup of coffee with a high profile manager here in Canada for a little while on our on our second record mm -hmm. um, we have worked with a couple of managers but. For the most part, we've handled our own stuff and and mm -hmm. on a day to day basis too on the road and yeah, and it's worked for us. Like we, I don't mind driving fifteen hours and then playing a show that night. Um, Neva doesn't mind doing the event, all the advance work and and handling tour manager duties for the most part, um, and and spearheading the merch. and And Bobby doesn't mind selling merch after the show. And you know everybody chips in and and yeah, and uh, it keeps us out of trouble. You know, yeah. otherwise we all just get lost to our own devices with too much time on our hands. We've had that experience too, and 
You just all get the van stops and four doors open. And boof. And boof. Scatter. <laughs> Scatter. I Scrambles. know that. You're right? I know that feeling. Well, once when I played in a band, there was three of us in the band. We all had our own Walkmans. Yeah. And this band was on tour with us, and they, they look in the, in the drive beside us on the highway, and we're all bobbing our heads at different times. Because we're just so sick of each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not putting up with you. I'm listening to my music, you know. We we've, decided that the we've radio. We've seen that a lot this last year. Bands that uh, have their own entire world. universes going on yeah. in, in their seats. Yeah. And it's a very quiet. Like you, you pop your head in and there's like no sense. There's very little conversation. Everyone yeah. is just lost in their own cans. It's funny how weird and awkward, but how normal it is for but them. But it's normal. Yeah. It's normal. For them, you're, you're kind of like, oh man, is everything okay? But for them, it's just like, yeah. you know, yeah. got four hours to go, man. Shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you're, <clears throat> the, my favorite is coming to a band room and they're right in the middle of a band fight. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go over here. Yeah, that's always a good time. Yeah, it's always awkward and weird. You ever heard of the band Sights and Sounds? Andrew from uh, Comeback Kid. Okay, is it's his band with his brother. All right, and I, I saw them. They're opening up for a band I was working for called Boys Night Out. Yep, and they had this brother fight that it's like, oh my god, right. epic, epic brother fight. Like, well, brothers can fight like no others. Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and it was yeah. like against the wall almost with like a little bit of fist happening. Like I'm gonna punch you. Right, and it was like, uh, well, shit gets real, man. Oh, uh, yeah, you go, you go, lock. Any group of people up in a van for 30 days. Yeah. At some point, shit's going to get weird. You definitely know how to deal with conflict. Yeah. You got to be able to... You got to be able to let shit go. You got to be able to to keep an even keel. Or not. I mean... Sure. You know, your choice could be that I'm not going to keep an even keel. Just escalate until something happens. Yeah. yeah, And try to just hope it doesn't get off the rails. Yeah. If you deal like that and try to go into corporate world and you try to have that ethic of like... Okay, we're done. This is done, right? Uh, it's not done. Right. They're going to carry it on. They're going to write up a report. Then they're going to put it in a folder somewhere. And then right. it's going to go back in, pr- in front of you six months later. Residual horseshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I like I like the idea. Maybe that's why I'm not really... I was a I was a technician up at, at a university. Okay. Uh, for like nine, six years. Yeah. And then... Uh, or nine years, actually. And, um, awesome. And, and it was a great job because you had a benefits plan and your kids like could really go there job. if they wanted to. But the bureaucracy was just like unbelievable. Right. And everybody had their own th- thing they wanted to push. And I like, I miss being in a band for that reason because it's like, that's the part I liked. Because if you had a problem with somebody, it was usually done. If not, you just parted ways. Yeah. That's it. You're that's done. it. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't going to work. Yeah. It's you know right within fit. the first five minutes. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. You walked into a club and met the sound guy, and you know the first thing that comes out of his mouth. You know how that night's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Did I you love ever that. play the. The guess what the sound man's going to look like game? <laughs> no, but I got a good idea what he got. <laughs> we do that one on tour sometimes because, you know, you get really bored in the van. So that's yeah. a game we've we've started playing from time to time where we all throw out guesses about. Because you can use a lot for that, right? Like, like the age of the club. Or the girl. Hmm? Yeah, the age of the club, right? Well, so yeah, if the club is like 40 years. to deduct from that. I mean. There could be a young chipper, like real in there guy. Sure. Or you know, what country stuff? you're in, what city you're in. Oh, wow. You yeah, know, yeah. You, you start boiling it down and, you know. That's the fantasy sports in you. <laughs> it might be, yeah. <laughs> I like to analyze. I like yeah. to analyze systems. There was, um, there was a club in Providence, Rhode Island, where they had this guy, apparently sounded like Barney Gumbel. And there's famous stories of him falling asleep on the monitor desk. 
while the show is happening or reading the newspaper. So this is an SNFU story. I'll tell you real fast. <laughs> so we're driving up to this and they're all talking like Barney Gumble because they are like, it's this guy. It's this guy. It's going to be great. So we get up there. We go, where's the guy? And everybody stops like record. Uh, he died. <laughs> like two days ago, he found him in his apartment. And oh, he died. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so sorry I brought that up. But yeah, he used to like get in the pit with people. Like he was sort of overweight, but he'd always just try to fuck up this whole show somehow or another. But that's yeah. that's that's not cool. No, no. But the hip sack. I mean, I think the hip sack is making a comeback. We that. encountered on this tour uh, a number of ponytail hip sack combos. Do you get the tape roll where they got the like, the gaffers roll of like if they did mm. one shoot in a movie like on a movie shoot they'll have like the roll of <laughs> they'll tape. They'll keep the stringer. All the of, tape. Of, yeah, of yeah, tape. yeah, it's all tape. Yeah, <laughs> spike tape. I should snatch that, take that home with me to look cool on tour when I'm when yeah. I'm tour managing. Yeah, or you know what you need is a glossy Van Halen jacket like I used to bring out occasionally. It was I found it in a pawn shop and it was a tour jacket. What like those shiny satin yeah, ones? Yeah, it had a Van Halen embroidered in the back so i used to like we'd poke our heads in and same thing and go "Uh uh-oh get the jacket and i put the van halen jacket and i get props and respect every time i absolutely love early van halen yeah it was like a proto-punk kind of music for when for me at that age hearing that really early stuff like it was it was fucking badass rock and roll pretty much live off the floor right it sounded save vocals maybe but the guitars were definitely but at least the first album had no well, it real was no overdose. jump. Yeah, in terms no of produ- pr- yeah, production. True. Yeah, I mean, even then sure. they were kind of keeping it kind of. Yeah. You know, they got that polyphonic keyboard, and uh, life was forever changed. Yeah, I hate when, when people talk shit about Van Halen because for me, you know, a lot yeah. of bands as they older they as they get older do lots of wax stuff. Yeah, you know? well, I'm not a Sammy Hagar fan. That was sort of a horrible. My, my mom is. Really? Yeah. Eh, whatever. Yeah, so he teaches his own. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I hate when people rag on them because they were an influential band for me and they brought yeah. such great energy and uh, reckless abandon to to it. Yeah. They were dangerous and, oh, definitely. And, and not the way some people perceive them now. Well, that wasn't real Jack Daniels in the bottle, by the way. <laughs> when Michael Anthony do his bass solo. Stop shattering my illusions. Sorry, dude. <laughs> What you yeah, have you seen the bass solo Michael Anthony does? It's I, on YouTube. I, actu- I actually saw it live, and it oh, was. Oh, and he it, runs all over the place. And he drinks. ran more than he played. Yeah, and it's like all effects. And like, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, it was. I'll, I can tell this story quickly. I I was in high school, and we went to see that Monsters of Rock festival uh, stateside. So we had to cross the border on this like bus package. So you bought a ticket as part of this bus package. Oh, cool. You and a bunch of lunatics get on a bus. You drink the whole way down. <laughs> and then you go to the show completely shit-faced. Well, I got so drunk, I passed out in the bus. And everyone went <laughs> into the show without me. Oh, wow. I woke up just in time for Van Halen's set. I run in. I go to my seat. And it's literally the start of his bass solo. <laughs> That's what I walked into. And it, I swear to God, my memory of it is, and maybe I was just too drunk, but yeah. it, it was one long note yeah, and him running around and then punching his bass and, and drinking a bottle of the, that Jack And I think his bass was a Jack Daniels bass. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not a great uh, memory. Um, and I was so bummed with the whole bass. So it was just, I remember walking out of the going, why even bother? Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody had their own thing. Like, David Lee with Roth would come and do high high kicks and climb around. He had <laughs> yeah. his moment, right? Yeah. Eddie Van Halen would do like the eruption, the eruption. <laughs> and, and and then and then uh, Alex Alex 
kind of had something going on too. Like they had their he own. He must have had a drum solo, right? He would have had a drum solo. I remember seeing Triumph one year. Oh dear. Thunder 7 tour and the drum solo was atrocious. Yeah, not a big fan. No. I was trying to get um what's it? Gil. Gil. On the cuz I have a friend who knows a friend I'm trying to get him on the show. <laughs> Metalworks. Metalworks. There's a funny moment. I forget what politician it was, but he walked out of an interview behind at Gil's like at the Metalworks live like in the warehouse okay where we're creating jobs and someone asked the wrong question and i forget what politician it was but he just said okay this interview's over walked out and gilmore's just sitting there like i don't know what to do <laughs> i'm just sitting here and everybody sort of walks to the back and he's like i'm not answering that question it was some weird pointed weird oh my question Lord. it's very embarrassing and it's on uh, it's probably on youtube somewhere yeah not a big fan i it was such a stiff band like drum fills the, the drum fills and st- it's just so stiff but they're a self-managed band okay didn't work out so good for them though. maybe not no no but uh rock and roll <laughs> machine right it's faster than you ever seen <laughs> and then the fill yeah yeah it's funny how they were the canadian van halen though in a way right like they kind of were like canada's Easy. answer well and the first for, for first album, I guess so. I don't have a memory of that. Um, yeah. I, I don't ha- have a recollection of that perception. Do you ever have like Uncle Getty go fuck that Triumph band? Fuck that. No comment. <laughs> Get the scoop. <laughs> It'd be so funny. Can we not talk start, about that? Start a war. <laughs> start a war. Yeah, uh, Triumph yeah. gets back together just to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, despite they all hate each other too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I may have heard. Sounds some like we're stuff. out of your wheelhouse. With talking about Triumph. Mike Levine, good guy. Killer hockey jerseys. Yeah. W- wicked <laughs> stash. Um, I mean, really, the guy sort of cornered the market on wearing hockey jerseys as a bass player. That's right. So Then Robert Smith stole it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mike Levine was the original Robert Smith. I don't think anyone has ever said that. Boom. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, I'm glad we solved that. Yeah, like was... where did Robert Smith get his inspiration from? Clearly, now we know. Yeah, it was Triumph because it, it was at Maple Leaf Gardens where he wore the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Yeah, is there really a bass player in the history of rock and roll that wore a mustache and a hockey jersey better? I don't know. <sighs> We're gonna have to fact check that one. No, I don't. I have Maybe a, a sheep dog right or something. <laughs> yeah, I have a team they, they on that. Wore a jersey at some yeah. point, didn't they? Robert Smith is, un- is ironically the happiest man on earth. Is he? Yeah. You met him? I've I've met his crew, and they're really nice. And I say, so you gotta like have like really sad days on tour. And he goes, no, actually, it's the most fun I've ever had on tour. Really? He treats people nice. So it's not morose camp. No, no, it's very, um, everybody's just sort of just... Sulk fest. Yeah, you know, they're British and happy. Yeah, what do you know? What do you think? I know, it's an oxymoron, right? What? <laughs> you were just in Europe, right? Yeah, we did um, We did a tour up just before the Swerve Driver run, actually. Just a few weeks before the Swerve Driver US tour kicked off, we did a month in Europe around this uh, summer festival in Germany, this out open air festival in germany it was pretty awesome which one what was it called uh krakenbach Mm. Uh, it ended up being canceled when we got there because of a hurricane but we ended up moving the whole festival into these or to this indoor space this giant indoor warehouse and and we played there so it ended up being actually a really awesome sort of punk rock moment in germany seeing like all these hardcore festival goers 
having a good time in a warehouse with a band playing on the floor, people climbing, shelving. And, oh, wow. You know, it was pretty special. Yeah. And uh, so we did a bunch of dates around that in Europe, almost a month worth. And we've actually done three tours of Europe since March of this year. So since wow. March of this year, we've done three tours of Europe. Uh, we went on the road with this band called Dark Horses. And we... Um, did a bunch of dates on our own after that, mm -hmm. and then the stuff around the festival. Oh, and we did, uh, actually, no, we did 15 dates in the UK with Swerve Driver. That was one of the trips over. That would have been great. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, they were very kind to us, and they had some challenges on that tour, like a van getting smashed up and stuff that, you know, made it tough for them at points, but... They were very sweet and very gracious and very kind to us and supportive and and uh, a great chance for us to basically play everywhere in the UK. I mean, yeah, fourteen dates. UK's hard place. It feels like a lot of dates to play in the UK. So we were yeah. playing places that we hadn't been to before. Yeah, and, but also some great rooms like to play King Tut's in Glasgow. In Glasgow. Yeah, I played there. Did you? We opened for some forty one there. My Amazing. Band. Yeah, yeah. Such a great room. Yeah, we had a great time at the show. The 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 concert goers were they brought great spirit to the room it it was a magical evening you know where yeah. it, there was great energy it was reciprocal yeah because playing club shows in britain is not so much fun well it can be hit and miss like a little by yourself like if you're kind of not known yeah. and you have a small buzz or whatever it's tough it's like playing in north america it is it's, it's not much different yeah um Here's and people used to tell us that you the uk was when you're going and playing overseas, the UK can be a tough place to go. And we didn't know what that meant. It's only because it's only an ocean body away from Germany where life is wonderful. Well, Germany's very different. Yeah. But th there's also, you know, in defense of the UK, there's a subsidy attached to France and to Germany that UK promoters yeah. just don't have. They don't get it. They don't get yeah. it. So in their defense, it's a different culture. Yeah. And um, it's a lot like here. Yeah. You know, everybody's just sort of living. You know, hand to mouth. Yes. Trying to get it. Get trying it to keep it together. Keep it together, right? Yeah. Even some of the most popular clubs in North America are pretty much bankrupt. Sure. You know. Well, yeah. It's. It, I think in France it's a forty percent subsidy. In Germany, sixty. Yeah. Or it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, according to the, the the last thing I read about it. Anyways. Yeah, there's places, venues in Europe because they're usually old army bunkers where they'll oh, you rent get to it play out. Play some cool spots. Oh out my there. God! Put a put a foosball table. Internet and uh, half pipe, and you got a punk show. <laughs> we did a bunch of shows with Weaker Dance over there too. Oh, that must have been amazing! It was amazing. But even them, when they were like putting out um, uh, their third album, they still weren't getting good numbers in England. Oh, is even that right? you know what I mean. So okay. it was always yeah. that trying to break in. People are a little bit judgmental. Hmm. Maybe maybe apathetic was like British people are a little bit. Meh. I'm one of them, so I can speak. Well, it's a small place, and they've got a ton of bands. Little, yeah, a sort lot of depressed, of a little bit depressed too, in a way, like. Maybe it's changed since I went there 10 years ago, but... Well, look, it rains six days out of seven. <laughs> there you go. You know? Exactly. Six days out of seven, man. So, uh, we've enjoyed our time in the UK. We've yeah. had some tough nights there for sure, and we got to learn firsthand what people meant by it's not quite the same in the UK as it is in continental Europe. Oh, yeah. But Definitely. We, we've also been afforded great opportunities. Like we got to open for Mike Watt in Southampton, and we got to open for Swerve up and down the country, in mm. London and Manchester and, mm -hmm. and and Glasgow, and and we have been f afforded some really great times there. So you know, mm -hmm. 
I know what people mean, but at the same yeah. time, it, you know, it depends what you're doing. Yeah, totally. You know? Absolutely. We've also had great times on our own playing to 12 people at um, at the Windmill Brixton okay. in yeah. South London. Which, yeah. You know, it's uh, kind of a divey but awesome place. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it can be tough, but it can also be, you know, just as good as that that weird Halifax show you play to 15 people but it's somehow the most magical thing you did all year. Yeah, but you were reading my mind because it's like turning a bad situation with good situation. It feels like a win, especially where you're like all on your way to wherever you're staying, and everybody's like, they, it has that same common like, we actually did something that was actually rewarding, even though it didn't pay any money. There wasn't anybody there, but all it took for me was one person coming going, "I like your record." Oh, wow! And you're in some other part of the world. That to me is the only real reward out of it. You know, it's a it's a great feeling when you get to travel and and play a, a creation of yours mm -hmm. that for people and have for strangers and have it make them happier and enjoy that their time in that evening. Yeah, is is a great f and magical thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's so rewarding. I I, I, cu I couldn't imagine doing this strictly for money. Yeah. Uh, no. No, I mean, in true, if you were like sixty, and would it, would your would you think from from your? It sounds like you have a lot of your twenty-year-old still in you. Like I do, you know, I do. I you I, hang on to it. Do I'm you not cherish interested it? in growing up? To be honest, <laughs> <with you. laughs> but do you cherish? Do you cherish that feeling that I still feel like I did when I was was younger? Is this something that? Well, I try not to take it for granted. I sure. I wake up with the same enthusiasm for playing the bass guitar and writing a new song that, like I said, like like since I first discovered it. Yeah. I, I still love the drive. I still love load in. I love the jokes and the yeah. humor that goes down during load in. Yeah. And I love the the absurdity of sound checking for the twenty eighth day in a row. Right. Yeah. I I love all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I I love the camaraderie. The unpredictability of every day the vulnerability of being this group of people traveling through foreign territory that yeah. you know i still love all of it and whether that's you know makes me a young spirit or no i don't know i mean it, honestly i try not to think about stuff too much because thinking gets in the way of so many good things <laughs> I, I try yeah. to just get up and, and do the do, as Mike Watt would say. And, yeah. you know, if you're not playing, you're paying. Wow, that's really cool. That's a good way to end that off. Thanks oh, so much, thanks, man. man. Yeah. Right. Thanks cool. for coming on the show. And Hey, thanks for asking me, man. It's really cool to catch up with you. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Doink. <laughs> <laughs> there he was, Robert Michael Higgins. Cool guy, right? Cool, cool guy. I love free-spirited people. I just love that. I love the fact that life takes people in a direction. They keep going with it. Everything is beautiful. Everything works. And you know what? There's a lot of crap along the way. But the good stuff, I can feel like he, the good stuff is the good stuff with, with Robert. I used to know him when he was Rob Higgins. I don't know where the Michael came in. I know it's important, right? Like Haley Joel Osment, like that kid could see ghosts. Ghosts, you had three names, that's why. Okay, don't forget about the show at the Central, everybody. January 27th, 
at 603 Markham Street. The doors are at 5.30, and the show starts at 6. And there's some music, and there's some laughing. A lot of laughing. I hope a lot of laughing, and I hope a lot of people. Please come to that. Go to the Apolog Facebook site, and it's facebook.com slash Pod. Go to the show. It's right there on the top. Okay? Let me know you're coming. I want a big thank you, big, big thank you for Deathwish Coffee Company. They sent me coffee. Now I gotta let you know that they sent me coffee, and it's awesome coffee, and it's the strongest coffee in the world. And you can go there and purchase the coffee, and just if there's somewhere we can let them know that I sent you, then I can come back to them in a month and say, okay, I'm out of coffee. Can I get more of your coffee? Because I sent some people there to buy coffee. Here it goes. Still always brought to you by fetchclass.com. I don't need to tell you about that. Always thank you to insightrecorders.com. That's me! want to please just please go to musician's friend and bookmark that go shop for stuff on musician's friend it's your friend you know i think it shouldn't be musician's friend because musician's friends are always people that own the van always musician's friend everybody click on the banner bookmark the banner linked banner and shop there the same thing with amazon okay christmas is over everybody's trying to pay their credit cards bills off you can buy all sorts of stuff on Amazon. Go to Amazon. Click through the banner first, though. Also, applelog.ca slash shop for getting a shirt or getting a pre-ordered version of this new acoustic album that I have three more songs to record and I just can't seem to find to do it. Also, patreon.com slash applelog to pledge on the show and become a patron. Support the arts, mother effers. Like the show on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. And I'm not sure who I have next week, but I'm pretty sure I know who it's going to be next week. It's going to be... Nah, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be. It's because I haven't figured it out yet. I still have to do the interview. But the week after that, it's going to be Brad LaSalle. He used to be in a band called the Inner City Surfers in Dam 13. He's a super sweet guy. And I was up in Sault Ste. Marie doing a... I actually did like three or four podcasts in November when I was there, like December or November. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play you one of the songs from my acoustic album. Okay? So enjoy that. I don't know which one yet, but I'm sure you'll get it. And thank you so much again for listening to the show. Bye, everybody. Take your time, wait on nothing. Lessons I should know. Principles based on writings All the lines left to show And they make no sense Tragic circumstance Heartfelt tries with no words to the wise Filled with Call life starts with nothing and ends the same. And we all fall down. The king has lost his crown. No one to be found. And all the lights go down. I'll break your fall.